Okay, and so we are rolling, we're alive, and we're doing this great, phenomenal interview with this lady who is sitting here in front of us. Her name is Emma Powell. She's a multifamily active deal sponsor with 58-unit portfolio and 34 units under contract currently. And the crazy part that she went from zero to having 92 units in only 18 months. So that's a great short bio straight direct. So again, first of all, I just want to say thank you and appreciate you for being on the show. Thanks, Emma. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I, I like to talk. So this is just perfect for me. Well, and I like to listen. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a good show. <laughs> yeah. So before, before you start talking, if you don't mind me just asking a question again for the audience who are, you know, maybe didn't came across you so far, maybe you kind of tell them the story. How did you discover real estate investing and how did you be like ended up being in this position that you are currently with almost 92 units in, in 18 months? Um, it, it actually goes back a long time. Um, it's one of those things where I knew that I wanted passive income. I called it residual income uh, back even when I was 18, 19 years old and didn't really know how to get it. I knew that that was, that was the goal. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the first time in my early 20s. I'm 43 now. And I didn't really feel like Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. Like a lot of people talk about how it was a massive mindset shift for them. And I just read it like, yeah, duh. I mean, we're supposed to get real estate and have passive income. And so I didn't really think it was that earth shattering. Uh, but then I didn't get any practical any practical direction. Uh, I knew that it was what we were supposed to be doing. You know, Dave Ramsey said, pay off your mortgage, save up in cash. And we were just, just working away. We bought a house. Uh, we buy like a brand new house that would appreciate quickly, you know, new construction. And then we'd move. So kind of house hacking. We started out with down payment assistance from our county and our first house, we made $34,000 off of that with, like I said, down payment assistance. Cause we were like in our early twenties or making hardly any money. And we would just keep levering up into, into better personal houses. And we, we remodeled one. Um, we still in Austin, Texas. We were there for 20 years. And so the last house we had there was a massive remodel. We did a lot of forced depreciation. Uh, we ended up walking away from that house with, you know, Dave Ramsey, no debt, but then a pile of cash from the equity in that house. When we moved to Salt Lake about two years ago, uh, I left my business behind in Texas. I was a real estate and a wedding photographer. And I didn't want to rebuild that business now. I just felt like I was getting too old and I just didn't want to start over from scratch. And I knew it was time to become finally an investor. I'd wasted a lot of years knowing that that was what I wanted to do and then not doing anything about it. Like a lot of people, a lot of people are in that same boat. You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you get all fired up and then you never do anything. 10 years later, you're still just trying to pay your bills. And so I was tired of that. So when we sold that house, I took all that money down to a local RIA and found a house flipper who could use it, uh, keep it for, you know, six to 12 months while I learned what I was doing. And so um, he became a great mentor for me. Like I, I did not pay for my mentor. My mentor paid me some cash to invest. And so every time I had a question, he would answer the phone or he would text me right away or he always would talk to me when we were at meetings and and then at the end of the day, I got paid for that mentorship. So I learned that if you have cash, you have access um, and to good teachers and to good resources. And so once that money came back, I started buying up uh, single families that I sold on a lease options and then uh, some small multifamilies. And one of the very first RIA meetings I went to, the speaker said, if you can skip residential and go straight for commercial, 
then you should do that. And so that idea was like, okay, well, I'll just do that. Cause I was a beginner. I didn't know any better. And he told me to go straight for commercial. And so that's basically the goal that I set. And then I said, well, what if you can skip commercial and go straight to being a passive money lender? And he said, well, then you should just do that. And I said, okay, well, I've got this stash of money. I did the math, backed into it. I said, I need my stash is this big. I need it to be twice as big. And I knew I could be a full-time passive investor if I doubled the size of my pile. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go sponsor some active deals uh, for a couple of years until I double the size. And then we'll kind of go into just being full-time passive investors for our work week style. For our work week. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. for the people who are watching first time and like have no clue what's going on in real estate, can you just explain for them what is a deal sponsor? Um, the deal sponsor is the person who's doing the active side of the work. Um, in my case, I mean, people use the words, uh, they use that term. It doesn't really have a hard and fast definition, but in my case, it's somebody who finds the deal and then goes and puts the team together. So you usually are going to have maybe three partners, one who finds the deal, uh, does the underwriting and one who's the big promoter and in investor relations and is going to go raise the money for it. Um, and then the other is going to be the experience or the key partner who has a net worth, liquidity and experience to sign on the loan. So those three people in our deal, our current Idaho deal, um, it's not the same per, like I bring the deal, but I'm, I'm not the underwriter. I'm more of an asset manager. So those six jobs between three people have to have to blend up some way. So I'm the deal sponsor on that because I found the deal and put the team together. And then, um, and then I'm the asset manager. So it basically just means you're the one doing the work. You're the one putting the deal together. Yeah. 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 Okay. So coming back to the one thing, cause I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. Cause you, you said, you know, people reach that, read the book, rich that poor dad, which everybody who is on a podcast show here, everybody mentions that like rich that, yeah. that, that was my entry point. Okay. Got it. But probably a lot of people miss what you just said. A lot of people pick up the book. They know it's great. It's phenomenal. They say, Oh my God, like it changed my life but it probably changed their life after 10 years. So because they started taking some action, they probably, you know, they, they faced some, because people operate two ways. People either get by, pushed by the problems, which most of the time that's what they do. They wait until the problems are so big, like life just moves them and says like, man, you better do something because it's gonna get ugly. Or they, get, they, they can get motivated by some big goal sitting in front of them that will just attract them, you know, and, and, and you know, encourage them to do more. So maybe again, from your perspective, like you read the book, you, you, you did the thing. So how people can just shorten that time frame and start taking action towards, you know, building their business instead of waiting 10 years. Um, so I, I, I was and am still a big Dave Ramsey fan. And I know that he, he sometimes doesn't get a lot of respect in the investing world. Um, right. But I, I believe that he has an important message to get your personal finances under control. Uh, you have no business investing or buying a house or these kinds of things until you have your lifestyle under control. And so I feel like I don't want to tell people don't listen to Dave Ramsey because I feel like for step one, um, that's really, really important. You need to understand your personal balance sheet and have some self-discipline in your own life. Um, step number two is start listening to the right people. So for example, uh, rich dad, poor dad. I just didn't really feel like I had a lot of practical uh, uh, action, action taking advice. And so just starting to educate yourself, the internet didn't really exist the way that it does now, 20 years ago. Um, YouTube is a thing. Udemy is a thing. I mean, I guess there were RIAs back then, but I just, 
didn't really know where to find it. So get access, start networking. Your, your net worth is your network. Um, so go to the RIAs, go to the local meetings, go to the meetups, and just start spending a lot of time around a lot of people who are doing what you want to be doing. And everybody's doing something a little bit different. You're going to meet wholesalers, you're going to meet flippers, you're going to meet people who like multifamily, small multifamily, you're going to be commercial, industrial, triple net, nursing homes, assisted living. Um, pick one thing and do that one thing for at least six months. So I started out as a money lender and I did that thing for about eight or nine months before I bought my, my first property, my first investment property. And then I did small multifamily for six or eight months. And now I'm doing the larger multifamily, been doing this about the last six months or so. Pick one thing and focus on it really hard. That doesn't mean you can't change your mind, but it does mean during that period of time, stop looking at the squirrels. Somebody stopped me the other day and he said, you're all over the place. You're, you're investing in so many things. And I, I said, what do you mean? And he said, you got, you got lease options and you got storage units and you got assisted living. And I said, no, no, no. I have multifamily. That's all I have. I look at those other things. I might study those other things, but I've never made an offer or bought any of those other things. Right now I am focused on multifamily at least for the next year. Um, if I want to do a storage unit or a medical office or assisted living later, I might step into that. But for the next at least year, I'm doing just multifamily. So surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. Focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, definitely. Because what like focusing like focus is stands for I think focus uh, on one thing until successful or something like that. So that that's the key in anything you know in life and business. Like if if you wanna because there's so many distractions. What you just mentioned, you know, like social media. Mm -hmm. I think if people go on social media and they're looking because now real estate is very sexy. I think you you agree with that. You know, a lot of people looking to get involved into the business. They think it's easy. They think it's a get rich quick thing, which is obviously not. But people go on the internet, they look it up, like, how do I start real estate? And they just get confused because there's so much information available now on the fingerprints. Mm -hmm. People like people don't know where, where to start. But what you're saying is such a good advice. If you just pick one thing, whatever you think at that moment is good for you. But again, take the right advice. And that's why we're having people just like yourself on the show who give the right advice saying maybe you want to skip some you know, asset classes like residential, maybe you want to go directly in, into like, it, it's all depending on a goal that you have in life and, and in business, which you want to reach. So it makes sure that aligns with that. But it's solid, definitely. Thank, thanks for that. So can we speak of? I, uh, I, sure. Can I add just quickly, um, trying to avoid the expensive guru programs, because they all make it sound like they have a secret. That's what I wanted to they ask. They have the words secrets in their names even sometimes and they make it seem like if you get the right coach or the might or the right mentor or the right program they're going to rocket fuel project you to success and so my advice there is don't buy somebody's program and until you've consumed most of their free content they all teach you to new classes they all have youtube channels they all speak at conferences consume as much of the free content as you can and then if you still want to buy their program that's great um, but just make sure that you really know that you connect and you understand. And that program is not gonna have any more secrets in it. What you're buying is a package where it's gonna move you through sequential steps and it's in a very consumable form. So you're not YouTubing this and conferencing that. It's gonna be a little bit more focused. And so as long as you understand that you're not buying secrets, 
And as long as you really have exhausted that person's free content, go ahead and, and buy something, hook up with a mentor, but you know, you have some work to do before you just go buy this and buy that. People waste a lot of money on that and it's very demoralizing and then they feel like they can't do it and they end up quitting. Okay. Okay. So thank you for that again. Cause that was, that's what, what one of the questions that I wanted to ask, you know, cause again, mentorships is kind of a big thing. There's a lot of mentorships now available starting whatever, $75 an hour. Like I had these people on, on my show as well. Again, great people doing the business active. So maybe those are good people, but there is, you know, people charging six figures. And again, for people who are not aware of like, again, they don't have the financial statements as, as you mentioned before dave ramsey says like because they don't need a statement because there is no statement there is no income there is no you know there's nothing to count and add and divide i mean there's nothing people there's a lot of people just you know who are seeing and watching this they think man i'm just working and i'm just making the ends meet and you know yeah. so it, it's it's tough but yeah if you just focus again on one thing you, you can become very good at it so can mm -hmm. we talk about the importance of having a team because you mentioned you know um like it's it's very big part again in your business to make sure that you can take down the deals or i mean the size of that like 34 unit deal instead of a fourplex which one person probably can take that down so can you talk yeah. about like how people structure these teams like how do you find these partners how do they look and like how do you put everything together because there's again a lot of moving pieces right um yeah i would say the most important partnership that i have first is my partnership at home with my husband um our relationship and our support of each other is is definitely setting the stage for every relationship we have outside of that in our business learning to communicate with one another reading great personal development books communication books um, together as a couple uh, it's helped him be very supportive of what i'm doing and and be interested in what i'm doing uh, i think if he was talking talking to me in a way that made me it, it this is a tough business mentally uh, you feel like you're terrible at it. You're taking huge risks and you have really bad days sometimes. And so if you have somebody at home who's, who's being very negative and, and beating down your self-confidence, it's going to be just that much more difficult to be successful. And so work on your relationship internally first, learn to communicate, learn to be mature, negotiate all those things that, that make a good marriage. And then the, those skills will only serve you when you go out and you form partnerships. So that, that being said, um, the network again, the more people you're spending time with, the better you get to know them. You'll know what their strengths and strengths and weaknesses are. And when you run into a problem or an opportunity that you know fits into their wheelhouse, you know exactly who to call. And so that's how I built the deal, the team that I have right now, where I called a couple of people, we worked on it, it ended up not being a great fit, called the third person, and he said, he fixed my numbers for me. Underwriting is one of my weaknesses that I'm really focusing on this year is to get better and faster at that. And so I said, Hey, I underwrote this deal. It looks a little too good to be true. You know, what do you, what do you think? So he fixed up my numbers and he said, it's, it's actually a pretty smoking deal. He said, do you need a partner? I think I have the capital to bring into this. And I said, yeah, I had never raised capital before. Um, and he has a pretty good local network. And like I said, we just moved to Salt Lake two years ago and I didn't really feel like I knew a lot of people here. It was an Idaho deal, uh, which was going to be hard to sell to my Texas network because they just don't understand that market. Um, and so he went out and he did most of the heavy lifting on the capital raise. And then somebody else, I, the person I met this partner through, um, referred us to another person who came in as the net worth and liquidity partner in our deal. And he's been um, fantastic. The perseverance and the hard work of those two guys made this deal happen because 
I, I got lost several times and thought that I couldn't close it. And so they came in with solutions and answers and capital and people, li limited partners, uh, business associates with the legal um, and my lender um, that made it happen when it was a very, very difficult deal to close. It took a long time. Yeah, yeah. And you probably, it's, it's like, it's impossible to do this just by, by yourself, right? It's just... It's just, it just not physically possible, right? The UK, like the person who was watching right now and the question I'm asking, it's, it's fairly stupid, right? Because you know, like you, the importance of, of uh, having a team and like, but people who are watching, I, I want them to understand, like you cannot do things by yourself. If you're looking to get involved actively, I'm talking about these, these people, like you need to surround yourself with the people who are already playing the game. Like, and what you did is just uh, two, two words that I have in my head, preparation and hard work. Like the, the, you created this situation where, where you just worked hard and, you know, things started to happen around you and you met all these people that doesn't happen, you know, by coincidence, like you have to do something. You have to go places, find the deals and find a smoking deal for people even to get attention. Like, yeah, I would love to be part of that. You know, so. I found the deal in the RIA from another person in my local RIA who had bought it a year before and, and their partnership was basically getting divorced. And so there's some distress there. Um, the person that I brought it to, who I ended, eventually ended up partnering with, um, again, someone from that RIA, and then somebody who came and spoke to the RIA, national speaker, was the one who introduced us to our partner on the East Coast. So um, I think going back to what you're saying, like trying to do it by yourself, I really love, Adam. Adams has this great um, slide that he shows about the eight ways to get involved in multifamily. Um, I need to go in and repurpose some of that content, because I think it really breaks down the eight roles that you need to have. And in a general partnership, there are seven. And then the eighth role is the limited partner is the passive investor. And so you have to look at that list of those eight things and ask yourself, which, which of these seven things, if I want to be an active person, can I fit? It's like earnest money partner, deal finder, asset manager, um, money raiser. There are certain things. And you just have to, to say, you're going to try and split this between at least three people. And they each have to take on these seven roles as the active general partner and then go out and build that eighth piece, which is the limit partners. And so your skill set um, needs to dovetail in with the skill sets of the partners that you bring in to the deal with you. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So how do you find like what you're good at? Like, how did you find out like this is the thing that I want to do? You just pick one randomly and you say, oh, no, that's not that one. I'm going to try another one. Like, what's the process of finding what you're good at? Um, okay, so I have, I have a couple of thoughts with that one. I love to talk, which means I love to network. So I know a lot of people who hate networking. It's very um, socially... Um, stressful for them and they feel very emotionally spent after they get done with a networking meeting. I'm, I'm talkative, but I am still an introvert. And so I do go to a lot of these meetings, but I have to come home and recharge and refresh. So yeah. um, you don't necessarily have to be an extrovert to be a good networker, but I really like that. I would do that for free. So the question is what people say, you have to do things that other people aren't willing to do. But that doesn't mean you have to do everything that other people aren't willing to do. Start making a list of things that other people aren't willing to do. And it's long, cold calling, door knocking, um, sending out mailers, um, going to networking events, like all these things that people think are hard. You're going to have a big, long list of them. You don't have to do every hard thing, 
you just have to look at that list of hard things that other people aren't willing to do and figure out which of these do I actually like. One for me, networking. I will do that for free. Then you look at a, a couple more of them. You think, okay, which of these am I good at or willing to do that I don't really mind that much? I asked this question to people and one guy said cold calling. I don't love cold calling. I would rather go water skiing, but I do the cold calling. I don't procrastinate it and I make sure that it gets done. And so that is his, his hard thing that he's willing to do that other people aren't willing to do. I'm not willing to do cold calling. I hate it. I procrastinate it so much that I just end up feeling guilty and that steals your mental power. Yep. Yeah. So do the hard things that other people aren't willing to do that you are good at or that you don't procrastinate. And that's how you figure out where you fit into these roles. And then you can reach out to somebody else. I don't really love underwriting. I do it, but I certainly can't do the deep dive uh, mm -hmm. that it needs to be done before you take on a huge project like an apartment complex. So I go and find out somebody who, who does do the deep dive. And it's kind of funny what he told me about why he underwrites things so thoroughly. He, we actually took a personality test together last weekend and his, his decision-making is all intuitive and is not data-driven. But I said, but you're the numbers guy. You're the spreadsheet guy. I don't understand. I'm kind of in the middle uh, where I'll get data to a certain point. And then I'm like, all right, let's just make a decision. But he's way over on the intuitive side, which was shocking. I said, so why are you so into these spreadsheets and, and numbers? And he says, because I'm the promoter, the sales guy. I have to go sit down with number geeks and know exactly what I'm selling to them. So he's the capital raiser. He mm. knows those spreadsheets inside and out because he never wants to be stuck in a sales meeting where he can't answer one of the number geeks questions. And so it oh. doesn't necessarily have to be something you love or something you're good at, but he's super motivated by people and by sales. And that comes along with really knowing the product that you're selling. And so he has this kind of side talent that might not be natural to him, but it's very necessary to the thing that he loves and would do for free. Wow. That's a great story. I love that. You know, it's, 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 it's something, you know, that that's definitely an interesting approach. Like I never heard that before. So that, that's something definitely to think about. One thing that you mentioned is, you know, like just becoming great at something like there's a, a road to that. Right. So if, whatever you start, like if, if it's a, uh, you know, meeting somebody again, that, that's the thing that you like, or, you know, getting a mentor. The, thin, the third thing is kind of, a, you know, getting the books and that's rich that poor that. So I would love for, for you to share maybe three business, non-business, maybe real estate books that you think, beside the Robert Kiyosaki, of course, that people must read to, to change their life. Um, yeah, that rich that poor that, like I said, it was not a game changer for me. Um, I still think it's a good book and I respect that it's a game changer for a lot of people, but, and that was, that book is actually though, what helped me realize how to determine what your game changers are. If you read a book and you're like, eh, you know, it was okay, but somebody else is telling you that it's fantastic and you definitely have to read this book. It probably means because you're really not good at that thing. If you come away reading a book and you're like, that was earth shattering, orbit altering, you're probably really bad at that thing and have never even thought about that thing. Because it's when it's such a you know mind blowing experience for you, probably never really been exposed to that before. So for me, for me the things that blow my mind and make me feel completely everybody to read this book, I would say the categories are communication and meditation. Uh, I I am a Type A, incredibly independent, ADHD, mind racing a zillion miles a minute. Um, it produces some anxiety that I, that I need to learn to deal with. And, and I talk so much and my social skills 
uh, or my lack of social skills tend to run over the top of other people uh, and, and I'm interrupting a lot. And so when I read a communication book, the two big ones, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, it is about how you cannot control other people. All you can do is communicate and seek to be heard and mm. seek to really hear what that other person is telling you. And that's mind blowing for me because I don't naturally do that. It's mm. all a million miles a minute. Let me tell you, how, how, how. I get so excited about what you're saying. I have all these other things to say. So nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg, big. Another huge one for me was uh, Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. It's how to have a candid but respectful conversation when stakes are high, when emotions are running high, when it's a really big deal. Um, and you, you don't want to be that person who's just like, I'm just going to let it go because um, there's, yeah. Or to be like, you know what, somebody's got to say it. So I'm just going to go in there and say it like it is. There's that middle ground of being yeah. candid and respectful. And there are a lot of techniques in there about how to do that. And the whole premise of the book was he was studying successful people and it ended up boiling down to the way that they communicate no matter what field they were in. And I thought, okay, this is real stuff I don't know how to do and has a direct impact on my success as an entrepreneur. And it has helped my marriage and my parenting tremendously. Um, and then the third one is somebody who actually works for Carrie Patterson. She learned the crucial conversations alongside him and she wrote a book called Multipliers. And it is how you multiply genius around you or how you accidentally diminish that by doing things that make them feel less than, make them feel not worthy and, and make them work less for you. So you can either multiply them or you can diminish them. And we are doing both on accident. And so it's about how to be more purposeful about how you treat other wow. people and how you leverage the team around you. So those are the three big ones that really made my mind kind of, kind of blow up. Man, it made my mind just blow up right now. And I didn't really. Yeah. You know, so that, that's something that I have to pay attention to. I mean, those, those are definitely great books. And, you know, uh, I have to make sure that I, you know, rewind and, and uh, rewatch the, the, the video when it's going to be launched as well. It's because I, I don't remember the titles now, but the great books, because I love that yeah. type of stuff. I think mindset, like everything and communications, because we live in a, in a day and age when technology is, um, you know, changing a lot of things, but still this face-to-face -face communication, it doesn't matter like what technology is gonna do, there's gonna be AI technology, now the robots is gonna do the work, whatever, man. You still need to communicate. And like whoever's mm -hmm. gonna do that the best, probably all of you, 99% who is watching right now will agree, they will succeed far more better than any other people who don't know how to effectively communicate. This is the key yeah. like in life and business, anything that you want starts from here and it, what, what goes out from here, from your mouth, I mean, it's going to have an impact on a lot of people. So I love what you're doing is you're just honing on your skill, which is communications. You're improving it, you're reading the books, doing the meditation. You just, you know, like becoming great at, at, at one mm -hmm. thing and one craft. You're just focusing on one, that thing. So, you know, it's, it's super important that I'm very impressed with that, you know, instead of going and diversifying your efforts, you know, on, on multiple things. And coming back to the relationship thing, like with the husband, that was very powerful as well. Because like, it's so true. Like if the relationship at, at home even doesn't work, which you mentioned, if you come back and you're, you know, you're depressed and, you know, the deal didn't go through well. And, you know, your husband is saying like, oh, you know, whatever, it's not going to work anyway. It's not even that. It starts with home and you walking yeah. out the door because if, if nothing is working at the relationship level, it's going to be tough to, to build a successful business. 
So I think yeah. it's just like with the personal finance and the Dave Ramsey, get that house in order, but get your personal house in order as well. I'm not saying you can't go invest in real estate if, if your marriage is struggling. I'm just saying that is a red flag pointing to some things that will cause you problems in your business because you haven't learned how to deal with those issues. And it's just, it's right there, right in front of your face with your spouse, your partner, uh, consciously attack those things and deal with them. And it will only help you in your business. Definitely. Cause you know, all that situation, what I'm thinking now, the worst case scenario, I'm just thinking if you're not going to work these things out in the households, what you just said, it's going to end up, you're going to go and pursue the real estate thing, but it's going to be just you. And you're going to do the thing. You will be, I'm focused. I'm doing my thing. And the end is going to be, okay, we're splitting 50, 50 because we're getting divorced. So that, you know, it's going to lead to that. So we want to make sure that, you know, you, you, you get the household under control. Definitely. So mm -hmm. talking from the marketing standpoint, I, I would love to talk about that as well. Cause prior to the interview, we spoke before, like we, we have, uh, you know, things that we provide for the companies, blah, 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 mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But again, in your experience, personal experience, uh, can you share with the people the importance of uh, having social media presence, you know, the technology in real estate business? Does it change this uh, real estate industry in your opinion or, you know, what, what you see ha uh, happening overall? And what program softwares or uh, tools do you use for your day-to-day, -day, you know, business tasks? It's not too uh, much. I Okay. I love talking about this. I actually used to be a marketer. So part of the photography, I have a graphic design certificate and I did content creation for um, the Austin rugby team and in my own business. Then I would counsel um, other small businesses on just how to get their social media and their, and their solopreneur marketing going. Um, and so I was sitting at a, a, the raising money conference in Denver with the Blue Spruce group. And they talk a lot about marketing and social media marketing. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is all the same stuff I already know. And this is all the same stuff I already do, but they have tweaked it. Uh, I repurposed it to really serve the niche of raising money to fund your large multifamily deals. And I thought, wow, I just, all I have to do is just go and repurpose it. So social media is a big one. They actually teach a course on this that I took. Um, I found to be incredibly useful. Even the free class that I took before I ended up signing up for the paid one, um, I went and, and spruced up my Facebook profile, my LinkedIn profile, um, figured out how to use Instagram. Even as a photographer, I just don't get Instagram. I just, all my wedding photographer friends would say they booked all their business off of it. I'm like, I just don't get it. So I had to go in there and figure that out. Yeah. Um, I've raised um, several hundred thousand dollars off of LinkedIn now from that wow. free course uh, that I took. And then, like I said, so then I, I said, okay, I'd like to get more of this, so I paid for it. And that goes back to what we were talking about before. Consume mm -hmm. free content and very carefully choose how you're going to spend your money. There is great paid content out there that will yeah. take you through a sequential steps, but just make sure that you know what you're buying. There are no, there are no secrets. Everything's for free on the internet. So um, spending time on that social media, uh, but also being very aware of what the SEC regulations are for raising money and not saying things on social media that you're not allowed to say. Priming the market is one that I'm really struggling with right now. I'll get out there and say, hey, we're just about to put a huge deal under contract. If you want to find out about it, mm -hmm. you know, send me your email and sign up for my list. Like you can't, you can't be putting that kind of stuff out there. You, you can't be yeah. pre conditioning or preparing the market that you're going to have something coming out soon or or get in touch with me. There are rules that you need to follow. And it's a little hamstringing sometimes. And it's very different than maybe the way you've been doing social media for a different business. Follow the rules. Don't go to jail. Yeah. So 
uh, yeah, so daily, da uh, what was it, daily tools that I use, I'm a huge advocate of Google Drive. Um, massive user of the spreadsheets, the docs. I do all my offering memorandums in Google Slides. Uh -huh. um, like I said, I'm, I have a graphic design background. I'm, I'm all over the Adobe suite. And I can make Photoshop twists and circles. But at the end of the day, you just choose something simple that you can collaborate with your partners on. Google Slides does that. I get everything done in there. I can show it to my partner. He doesn't have to, I don't have to bring it back into Photoshop and mess with it. So that collaboration factor on those tools is huge and I don't even use Adobe Suite anymore because um, I'm doing everything on Canva and Logo Maker and Slides. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so those are my daily tools. And then what I'm struggling with right now is getting a really good CRM. Um, I'm not very good about keeping track of my network. So when they give me a business card, I scan it, but I don't really do anything with it. I'm not able to follow up, but I used to use MailChimp a lot for newsletters. So I'm um, just starting to put things in there and then figuring out what a CRM solution I want. So if anybody has any suggestions, um, I'm a total cheapskate. So I want to start out with something really good, but that I can ease into it as I grow. Yeah. So looking for a really good CRM um, and really using um, the underwriting tools from Obsidian Capital and Michael Blanc mm. to kind of crush through all the deals that are piling up in my inbox from wholesalers and brokers and that's a real bottleneck for me right now so the crm being able to reach out to my network and provide them with content through the email campaigns not doing such a great job on that and also um just getting through all these deals piling up in the inbox so those are my two bottlenecks right now awesome awesome love the honesty first of all and uh second is anybody <laughs> who's watching you know and you have a good crm that you would like to you know uh, propose saying go and check it out that one is going to make a huge difference in the business drop that in the comments to make sure that emma sees that and we're going to forward to her uh, you, you know your uh, advice and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on i mean there's a lot of different offers and like when it comes to the technology like new stuff like pops up like every day so sometimes yeah. it's hard, hard to keep the track and, and see like which one is the best, but the, the point is just starting with something. <laughs> I am a big believer in the industry standard. Like as a, as a yep. an Adobe suite user, I chose Photoshop at the beginning when I was just doing graphic design as a hobby because the, the tutorials, the support network, the other users mm -hmm. uh, was a huge rich community. And so I am a real big believer in the industry standard, but it can be expensive. And so uh, I, I struggle with industry standard and being a cheapskate. Yeah, yeah, because because you see the time frame. Like we're talking about the time because everything is this day and age. Like people know it, it everything moves fast. Mm -hmm. Life goes very fast. Life goes, you know, thousand miles an hour now, and everybody's like, if you don't get people attention fast, it's whatever. It's two point four or five seconds now, and people just yeah. like move on to the next thing, and they go go and do that. So you know, it, it's in the business is still the same. Like everybody wants to move fast, and you see there's a lot of brand new syndicators, you know, starting the businesses and everybody's moving fast, going, finding the deals and putting, you know, teams together. So, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's all about doing things fast. Cause again, we made personally with wife, we made some big decisions, whether it was that, you know, relocating to different country cause we, were, we, we relocated countries probably three times already, but because yeah. we, we want to move fast, we have end goal in mind and we were just, want to squeeze the timeline we don't want to do it over 30 years we want to how we can do that in 10 years or maybe five years what about two years is that possible so you know we just we just want to do things fast i think i think that's the solution so 
talking about doing things fast again uh 2020 it's going fast you know still but it still feels like it's a brand new year because it's march and we still have nine months to go so maybe you can share with the audience mm -hmm. some of your personal maybe not personal or business goals that you're planning to accomplish with your team this year um our 50-unit project is a, a heavy lift on the renovation. And so the asset management of that is going to be a steep learning curve. And so spending a lot of time on the asset management there, the deal that I have closed is always going to be the number one priority because we have active investor money in that deal that we are responsible for. The numbers on the deal are phenomenal, uh, but the business plan has to be executed very well in order to make sure that the heavy lift on this renovation is done well. So that is my number one priority. My number two priority is closing the 34 units that I have under contract right now. I have a great partnership there. I am really excited to be working with these guys because they came in and they told me, said, we don't want to be glorified. It's a joint venture. And they said, we don't want to be glorified LPs. We want to learn how to do a deal from the inside. So I brought the deal. Uh, they are bringing the capital. I am setting things up, but they are very experienced in real estate and rehabbing. And so they are doing... Um, a lot of that, a lot of that work. Um, so getting that closed is, is really, really important to me. And then the next thing I want to do this year is I want to get one more deal under contract and well on the way or closed by the end of the year, at least a hundred units in one of my target markets. Um, and so I'm looking very, very hard right now. And that's why I'm trying to get faster at underwriting so that I can uh, spend more time with brokers and doing due diligence and less time just filtering through all the junk that shows up in your in your inbox yeah 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 definitely so again about the speed speed moving fast mm -hmm. yeah so that that is awesome i, I love that you know like the, the, these are big goals you know you're having some big goals and i'm sure you're going to achieve them because you have the right partner and you have a right team in place so that that's what's going to make things happen so you know for the people we, before we're going to go like uh, if you just uh get more people excited there are people already excited about real estate you know it's a sexy thing you know it's a get rich quick which is not <laughs> but you know like why is it good for them to invest in real estate i'm talking now from a passive side because we had this uh, conversation before uh, the the interview and i said like i'm a big proponent just go from a passive you know instead of in, in, investing actively in the deals because that will take you a long road to learning the ropes you know studying going to event seminars all that stuff so again for you doing kind of the same maybe you can explain the benefits of why is it good to be passively invested in the deals um well i i run the facebook group uh for passive real estate uh, passive cash flow in real estate. And my purpose there is to teach people why investing passively in a deal is a good idea. And for myself, my goal, like I said earlier in the show, is to become a 100% passive investor. And I'm, the only reason I'm doing active deals, well, one, because of ADHD and I get bored if all I'm doing is vacuuming all day. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know, I really only want to work, you know, 10, 15 hours a week tops. And I would like my husband to be able to only work part-time as well. We used to both work part-time and our lifestyle now that he's working full-time, um, it's, it's definitely taking a hit. So our goal is to become 100% passive investors. Um, and I feel like the advantages of that are, for us, the big why behind it is, one, protecting us from layoffs from his full-time job that we never have to really feel in prison to a W-2. Now, at the same time, that W-2 is what's giving us the freedom right now to have me really focused on my business, not working um, at a different job. He's keeping the lights on. 
He's making sure that we're having enough lifestyle that, that we're still happy. Um, and I can reinvest all my profits back into my business so I don't have to take a draw until the law requires me to, until the IRS makes me. Yeah. Um, and so just being able to have that time back together as a family, as a passive investor, uh, whether you're full-time or it's just half your income, you can work less or just be less stressed out about getting laid off. You can't, you can't get that from anything else. And, and if you have enough, if you have enough things out there that you're invested in and you're diversified appropriately, it could be part of the stock market, it could be ATMs, it could be uh, car auto credit loans, it could be real estate. I think real estate should be the bulk of it because uh, for me, that's what I understand. It's what I get. It's what I love, what I eat, drink. But I have a brother who's a full-time stock market investor and he's not that much of a fan of real estate. Um, but we're both passive investors and uh, he's quadriplegic and it allows him to not have to worry about because uh, he can't work otherwise. And so those lifestyle um, opportunities that passive income affords you. And then in the United States, especially the tax benefits of being in real estate specifically and having that uh, rental income, that in the United States, that's the reason to do it. <laughs> you, you do not see this in tax codes elsewhere. It almost makes up for the fact that we have to pay income tax even if we live abroad, but maybe not quite. But um, So that's my big thing. Passive investing is gonna give you a lifestyle and control over your income that nothing else is gonna be able to do. Yeah, definitely couldn't agree more. And yesterday, actually we had, uh, Another podcast episode, you know, as great as this one. And we had another, you know, lady, she was very experienced, again, same as you in multifamily space. And she said, said exactly the same thing. It was her answer to getting involved into multifamily was like, I wanted to say how I can pay less taxes. Yeah. <laughs> that was really simple. That's how I got into the business. So yeah, definitely tremendous advantages in, in multifamily space in particular, when it comes to tax advantages and you know definitely again if you have more questions so before we wrap up if you want to have more want to ask more questions emma so what will be the social media platforms that you can go can uh, contact with you and ask you know passive investing benefits and all of that that is related to real estate investing so my username online is emma powell 28 28's our lucky number most of our kids have a birthday on the 28th so emma powell 28 at gmail on LinkedIn, on Facebook, so you get a hold of me. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook are my my major ones. I'm trying to get into Instagram. Uh, my Facebook group is facebook.com/group/passive-real-estate, and it's open to anybody around the country. But we have a local Salt Lake meetup that we often will live cast. Um, try and put some some people up there who can tell you, as a passive investor, what do you need to know to be responsible? So there are things that you need to learn about how to vet a sponsor, how to vet a market, how to vet a deal, so that you're not just throwing your money and hoping it, it goes well. There are um, responsible passive investors will understand their asset class. You don't have to understand it as well as a deal sponsor or an asset manager will, but you just wanna make sure that you understand the offering memorandum and the disclosures that you're sent because mm. you look at those disclosures, you know, that, that PPM, it'll terrify you. And unless you're prepared to be able to read those reports and read those disclosures, um, you might just be too skittish to ever invest in a deal. And then you'll be just like me, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then don't do anything for 10 or 20 years. So learn how to read those reports, learn how to read the PPM. And then again, a big thing is, is meeting deal sponsors. So for example, the reason we started this, this path of um, real estate Facebook group 
was because I have uh, an abundance mindset with capital. If there's a good deal, there's enough capital. And a lot of people who would like to invest in a deal don't have access to deal sponsors because of the way that the SEC regulates our ability to tell people about these deals. So you have to have a million dollar net worth um, and look at public deals that are, or that are generally publicly solicited. Or if you don't have a million dollars net worth, how are you supposed to find a deal to invest in? You're closed off to things that only accredited investors. So you have to be able to meet deal sponsors and figure out where your money's going to go. Maybe people don't like the cities that I invest in. Maybe they don't like the asset class that I invest in. But I know people who are doing short term, they're, they're flipping houses. So your money can be out six months. I know people who are investing in other markets than I'm or other asset classes than I am. Let's put everybody together, really find out what our passive investors are looking for, listen to them, and then try and hook them up with the deal sponsors that they can go do business with. Because the only way you're going to be able to do it if you're not an accredited investor is by word of mouth. So that's what we're there for. Here we go. Here we go. So definitely go and check it out, the Facebook group. And I'm going to, uh, as always, we're going to find all the links down below. So get in contact with Emma, ask her questions about passive investing. Why is it good? Why the benefits are for? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to find the tremendous value in the Facebook group because there's probably a lot, a lot of members who are talking real estate on a daily basis. So it's been a phenomenal. I really appreciate you, you know, joining here today for this uh, 30, 40 minutes. I don't know, but the time is going very fast. But I talk I, a lot. It's probably an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's been a great time. I tell you, you know, I, I learned a lot by just observing and listening to you and the story. I mean, the journey is just continuous now. And again, it's 2020. You have a brand new goals like for your business for this year. And it's not even this year. Like you're playing for the long game, right? You're looking to be a passive investor. You know it's going to take a while, but you're building this thing. You have your partners, your team, everything in place, the Facebook group. So again, guys, you know, be part of it. Be part of the journey. Be part of the real estate investing. Go and check it out, Emma's Facebook groups. Contact with her, ask her questions. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Emma, today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your business better. And just like I said, you're, you know, we're in each other's network now. And now we know who to reach out to when, yeah. when we get to know each other better. So awesome, I think it's awesome. awesome what you're doing. So here you go, guys. Here you go. So again, you know what to do. If you enjoyed this episode, click live, subscribe to the channel. Again, go and check it out. Emma's all the social media platforms that you have. Get in contact with her. Ask her questions. And as always, I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you.